We need good, strong, healthy relationships with our kids, with grandkids. God created us not to be islands to ourselves. In fact, you'll remember in Genesis when he creates Adam, he made all these things. It's so beautiful. It's so good. Everything's perfect. There's no sin. He's fellowshipping with Adam, but still there was something missing and so he made woman and he made it very clear we are not meant to isolate right it can't just be you and God it can't just be you you need fellow believers good strong healthy relationships that go beyond hey how's that coffee this morning here at church right and, and I'm so grateful for this church because there's so many opportunities set up for fellowship between bible studies Men's groups, women's groups, you guys hanging out in the, in the foyer forever, before service, in between services, after services, and that is marvelous. And we want to see those relationships get stronger and stronger as God shares some things with us through his word throughout this month. So, sweetheart. So, just a little bit about us. We met in Bible college. We were 18 or 19, I think. Um, I'm from Mandeville. He's from Ohio. We met, um, had mutual friends, started dating right after he graduated, and ended up getting engaged, married like a year later, and had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Um, you know, when you're young and you think you know everything and you're in love, <laughs> and we both love Jesus, right? We both felt called to ministry. We met in Bible college. Like, what could go wrong? Everything. Um, <laughs> I've been tempted to write a nasty letter to the pastor who did our premarital counseling because he absolutely did not help us at all. Um, first of all, North versus South, the Civil War exploded in our home. You don't really realize how many cultural differences there are growing up in the North and the South, but lots of expectations. Like my mama did not take out the trash. His mom worked. He was a latchkey kid. My dad got up in the mornings, took my mom's car, filled it up with gas so she wouldn't have to go pump gas. So you can only imagine the contrast in how we were raised. On top of that, I am an only child. <laughs> this is secret confession and all the things that that entails. He's one of six and he's the only boy. So very, very different um, home lives, how we grew up. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could say we had a honeymoon phase, but I feel like we went right into civil war zone right out of the gate. Absolutely. And, and I had that unfortunate belief just stars in my eyes, you have the happily ever after moment, right? We have the slide up there that, boom, this happened. I love Jesus. She loves Jesus. We love God. We're called to ministry like she said, and here we go. It's just perfect, right? And I remember it was about a year into being married, and I think, ignorantly, like most men probably, everything is fantastic and wonderful, and she's so lucky to be married to me. I'm so lucky to be married to her, and I'm in this sanctuary in Dodge City, Kansas, where we were full-time youth pastors at that time, and I'm just praying. I'm praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God says to me, your wife's mad at you, and she has been for six months. She's offended at you, and I stopped, and I is that is that you, Lord? Is that right? And I remember walking into the office where the pastor's wife and the secretary was, and I was like, you know, the Lord just challenged me about being a husband. They're like, oh, praise God, thank God, you've come to the light. And, and so then they start sharing with me, and I come home. We had an hour lunch break at lunch. So I come home, and I said, 
Hon, is this right? I, th- I, I think the Lord shared this with me. Are you mad? She starts crying. Yes, yes, I. And I was like, holy smokes. I've got to learn to be a husband. I have no clue about relationships. I have no clue about being a good husband. And the journey began there. Now, I was doing marital counseling, fast forward, 15 years later. And I'm doing marital counseling for a young lady who's had live-in boyfriends and, and, and children through multiple different men and a guy who's been married three times. And about the sixth premarital counseling, I had 17 weeks for him. There was a, a, a key issue each week we were going to share about. Six weeks in, she looks at me and says, Pastor Jason, does it take all that? And I lean forward with all the love of God in my heart. And I said, listen, it's going to take even more. It ain't going to take 17 weeks because truly healthy relationships take work ongoing over and over and over. Just got to keep going. Why? Because we're broken people. We're in a broken world. We're filled with other broken people and and people are hurting us and disappointing us. And we have different struggles, physical struggles and mental struggles and emotional struggles and spiritual struggles that we're constantly under that pressure dealing with. And the closer your relationship is, the more you need more of God's principles the deeper you got to become, the deeper the relationships are. It's real easy if all you ever do is wave at your coworker and say, I don't understand why I get along with all these guys at work. All you do is joke. You don't have any real relationship there. But when it comes to your spouse and it comes to your best friend and it comes to your children, your, your grandchildren, the closer you get, the more ugly we spill off on each other, the more we got to keep growing and letting God transform us and change us so we have something to give each other instead of just taking from each other and hurting each other. And so this evening, what we'd like to share with you as we kind of get into these things is starting with love, right? The love of God. I love when we look at the love of God, it's, it's zoe. It means love feast, I love that word because you read about it in 1 Corinthians 13, but that's not all. You read about it in in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, and you read about it in Galatians 5, and you just keep reading about how gigantic God's spiritual love is, that it's the the core of who he is. And and we as believers have to take 1 Corinthians 14, 1 seriously when it says there's these three, but above all, keep growing in love. Keep pursuing love. That love, every day, pursuing that love deeper, further, wider, stronger, just as the depths of God are so great, so we've got to focus in and growing more and more in the love of God. And what I love about the love of God is that it's a fruit. So a lot of times we hear a sermon on God's love and we hear all the challenging things, you know, be patient and kind, be long-suffering and kind. We think, how am I going to do that this week? I'm going to have to really watch it. I'm going to have to really work on it. But it's interesting, when you look at the works of the flesh, they are works. In other words, you and I can be nasty, you and I can lust, you and I can be prideful all on our own. Don't need any outside source of help for that. We've got all it contains in this little flesh of ours. However, all the things of God are fruits. The love of God is a fruit. 
peace of God is a fruit. The joy of God is a fruit. And so for that to grow in us, we've got to stay connected to the vine. And I believe this is the key. And any of these sermons, any of these things you're reading in your devotions, your Bible studies, all of these things have to be heard with ears of grace. And that is not how do I figure out how to do this, but how do I stay close to God and keep walking with him and him grow this in me so it's sincere and real. And I don't look at angels and say, well, I love you at the love of the Lord because I have to. Or I love you, but I don't like you. How many people grew up in church saying that? Well, I have to love you, but I don't have to like you. That's exactly right. And the love of God isn't that way. The love of God is deep and real and sincere. And in the midst of our ugliness, just kind of like what Pastor was talking about, aren't you glad he's so merciful? Aren't you glad he bore those iniquities? And as God's love grows in us, we can handle those sins. We can handle and bear up under those iniquities. I love that word iniquities because it's talking about those really bad moral things, right? All sin words in the Bible aren't the same. Sin's missing the mark. But iniquities are those moral ones, right? Like the sexual sin, like the thieving. It's like, whoa, the big ones. And yet God says, yeah, my love can bear up under that and this relationship not break in the midst of that I can carry that and so as we spend time with God getting closer and closer to him we embrace and grasp his heart his perspective of love and his ability to love one another so when we look at this I'm going to focus on four things number one is when you're connecting with God and you're going to grow the love of God on the inside of you number one Make sure you're reading the Bible, right? He is the word. If you're going to spend time with him, but I would encourage you, don't read the word like this. Well, I'm going to read a chapter a day. So here I got 1 John chapter 5. Let me read this. Blah, 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 blah. Done. I love this Psalms because it reminds us, Selah, sit in this moment and meditate on this, right? So we read here, and guys, if you have this scripture, if you don't, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7, beloved, a very dear friend of mine in Ohio loved to sit on that word, just beloved. He'd always say, you're the most loved. He'd share that with me over and over again. You're the most, sit in that God loves and cares about. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So we can be born of God. We can be Christians and not loving like he wants us to love because that first relationship, it all starts there, us with God. It's got to be priority, daily, morning, priority. We are connecting with God. We are getting to know him. And out of that overflow of him loving us and us loving him, I am going to be better able to love Angel and Isaac and Megan and Pastor Brian, right, each other. Because he's filled me and he's molded me. He's transformed me by that love. So the first one is spend time in the word and spend time in the word and sit in it. Number two is pray. Pray, same thing, not, Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, sit in it. I think a lost art in our day because we're so busy. It affects not only our relationship with God and we're rushing there. 
It reflects our relationship with our spouse, and we're rushing there, and with our kids, and we're rushing there, and we're rushing in and out of church, and with our friendships, and we're texting. It's so convenient. It's so convenient. We're losing the moments. This is all right to do, even though we're on Facebook Live, and sit in it, right? Where you pray and you listen, waiting on the Lord, reading, waiting on the Lord, praying, waiting on the Lord, and you get quiet, and you listen, your mind goes through all the stuff we got to be busy with. You say, no, get back over here and focus in here where the Holy Spirit wants to do some work, and he wants to show me some things and talk to me about some things and change some things, waiting as we pray. Praying in the Spirit. Number three, praying in the Spirit. But praying in the Spirit where we're always listening, we're always leaning in. What are you saying? How do you want to adjust me? How do you want to mold me? How do you want to change me? And then the same thing, worshiping. We're thanking God. We're praising God. We're worshiping, right? But then we don't say, okay, my favorite song's done. Done. See you later, Lord. But we sit in that and we wait. It's where we wait upon the Lord that the molding and the refining and the conforming and the the transformation happens And where real love is birthed so that we aren't hypocrites. Hypocrites just means I'm just acting, right? I've got all the right lines. I say I love you. I say I love you in Jesus' name. I say God bless you. But my heart is far from that. My mind is far from that. My emotions are far from that. You have something to interject because I'm going on and on. I was just thinking about the, the concept of love being a fruit and cultivating that. I love to do yard work. I've always mowed our grass. I've always done all the yard work at our house. And I love flowers. I know, you're lucky. Um, so our house in Ohio, I had perennial gardens all around the house. And I was just like super into it. It was like my favorite thing. So we move here. We bought a house in May. And I have found that I know nothing about the plants that grow here. Um, because when I was a kid, I didn't do any of that. So I've had to re-educate myself. I found a little nursery that I go to, and I spend an hour asking a million questions because I'm planting blueberries and different things in my yard. But I have to cultivate it, right? I can't just buy that plant, toss it out in my backyard, and hope for the best. I have to nurture it. I need to know what do I need to put in the hole? What do I need to, where can I plant it? Can it be in the shade? Can it be in the sun? Can it be under this tree? I need to learn all those things because I want it to bear fruit. And all these things he's sharing, that's what you're doing. You're cultivating, right? You're nurturing that plant. I have house plants. I occasionally talk to them when they're struggling and I'm moving them into the sun. And I'm like, it's okay, little lady. You'll make it over here. And Megan's always like, who are you talking to? But that's what we're doing, right? We're cultivating so that fruit of love can grow, can be delicious, and come into season. Absolutely. And so when we look at the love of God, we we started with Zoe, the the love feast. But then there's also phileo. There is this brotherly love that we have as believers. And that's more than just the spiritual love that anchors us, that holds us back from saying something we shouldn't say in a a tough moment where we're about to argue and we know this will dig in and hurt somebody. The love of God, his his love, he will restrain us and say, don't say those words. At other moments when you've been stupid 
and you came in and you hurt your wife's feelings or you said something sharp to your kid because your boss yelled at you and you shouldn't have said that and you overreacted and it'll push you to go and apologize to your your five-year-old because you lost your temper and what they did really wasn't that big a deal and the Holy Ghost love is just shoving you and we're grateful for that. But then there's this, this phileo and there's this emotional love, right? That there's just this, this caring that we have for each other because we're part of the family of God. And there's this endearment. And, and we want that to grow. A lot of people have been hurt by other Christians and, and they've let that get cold, right? They've been hurt at another church somewhere. They've been hurt by a pastor somewhere. And so they're not going to open up again and they're not going to love again. And they're not going to get close again. And, and they're not going to do this from the inside to somebody anymore. They're they're isolating and they're, they're shutting down and, and the love of God needs to step in there and, and, and open that up and heal those wounds and, and grow again. But then there's also compassion, right? Jesus was moved with compassion and, and we hate to hear this word because we're prideful Americans, but we don't want anybody to pity us. But you need somebody to pity you. You need somebody to see you hurting and in the dark and, and they'll kneel down there with you and, and cry with you and hug your neck with you and encourage you and, and let you know they're in your corner and they're going to stand with you and pray with you and be there for you and, and that you're not alone in those moments. So we need all that love growing and developing and, and, and it all sources from the Father. So we start with him and we keep getting close to him and we get better at better at loving each other. And it's real, and it's sincere, and it's, and it's true. And as we look to act it out and get more skilled at it, Angel's going to share a few things more on the practical side that I believe will help us. I'm going to read to you out of Mark 12, 30 through 31, and share with you a moment I had with a friend. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and with your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. One time I was talking with a friend, and I had known her for years. And she was just really struggling with some family relationships. She had a grown daughter and some different people in her life. And I just was thinking inside, like, man, she is so hard on them. Like, I mean, they just can't do anything right. She's just constantly like, they did this wrong, and da-da-da-da, and you're just riding them, beating them down. It was breaking their relationship with each other. And I'd known her for so long, and all of a sudden I realized she's loving them like she loves herself. We read that, you shall love your neighbors yourself, is a command, and it is. But can you read it reflective? You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you see the people wagging their fingers, judging and angry inside here? That love, what does that look like? So that's part of this, cultivating that love, bearing that fruit of love is understanding God's love for us because, oh, my gosh, when we get that, that's, we can love other people in light of that because if not, what are we doing? We're loving them. Like we're like, I'm not really sure God forgives me, so I don't know about you either. Sorry, right? We're loving them how we love ourselves, Instead of letting that love transform us and out of that love, we're reflecting that. 
So what we wanted to do is share with you some practical things. So if you can think of, you know, what we've been talking about up to this point is cultivating love in your life, cultivating that fruit in your life. And imagine it's just a bucket now without handles, right? You're spending time, you're waiting on the Lord, you're praying, you're reading your Bible, you're doing all the things, and your bucket's getting full. And that's just not enough. You need to have handles on that bucket, right? You want handles so you can pour that love into other people, so you can pour it into your spouse, so you can pour it into your kids, your neighbor, the people you work with. So that's what we want to talk about now. We're going to talk a little bit about the languages of love, and you might be familiar with this. We read this book when we were young married, and it really did help a lot in spite of all the other things that were going on. Because, you see, we learn how to give and receive love from our families of origin, right? We learn our roles. We have assumptions. Like I talked about, I grew up in the South. He grew up in the North. He was a latchkey kid. My mom was a stay-at-home mom most of my life. So I had hot meals on the table. He made himself macaroni and cheese. So there's a lot of, like, different roles in life. And that can happen in friendships, too. It can happen in how you relate with the people you work with. We learn those things as we're growing up. So we want to talk about what does it look like so that we don't just repeat those patterns of behavior, but we learn how to understand each other. We learn how to love better, how to love bigger, how to love in a truer way. God's love is at the core of how we speak and treat each other, but sometimes we just need some practical understanding of what that would look like. So when you think about the languages of love, we're going to talk about five different ways that we all give or receive love. And it can be very dictated by how you grew up. It can be dictated by your relationship. Um, Think about it from this one. We go through these. Think about what gives you a spark. So there's two things that you'll do. You're going to identify what your love language is, what makes you spark inside, but also whether it's your spouse, maybe it's, it's a child you have that's estranged and you're trying to reconnect with them. Maybe it's a neighbor that you're trying to connect with because you want to share Jesus with them. Maybe it's someone you work with that doesn't know Jesus. So thinking as we're talking through these, what makes you spark? And then also becoming like a love investigator. Like, I'm, I love observe, I'm, I love books on psychology and understanding how our brain works and why we do the things we do and our family patterns and all those things. I am an observer. I hope that doesn't sound creepy. I'm watching you all. <laughs> I'm an observer of people. I love to understand people, to know their story, where they came from, what makes them do the things they do, and, and understand those things. Commit in your heart to be an observer of those people that you want to reach out to. What makes them sparkle? Let me speak into this. I have observed in observing people that most of us are the center of our universe. And we have assumptions and we have beliefs and we believe everybody else should do that. Well, I'm good at this. Why isn't he able to do that? Right? I have a boss who who constantly says that. He's always judging everybody by his strengths, his abilities, and the same thing happens in love. Well, this makes me feel love. Why isn't my wife feeling love when I do this for her? Because God's wired us different, and that's what she's talking about, finding that out, what makes the other person feel love. Because you're not the bar. I hate to break the news to you. 
You're not the mark for everything. (laughs) And so you have to just commit in your heart to serve. It's a way that we serve each other. So the first language of love is quality time. So what does that look like? And it's something you can, maybe it's something you could think in your relationship. Is this person always saying, we never do anything together? I wish, why are you always doing that? Why can't we ever do this? Like you're listening for clues. What's important to them? What are, they, what are their needs? What are they crying out for? Quality time is all about togetherness. It's not about what you do. The activity is just a vehicle. And for some people, there is nothing in the world you could do that will speak love into their heart more than quality time. Just grabbing a cup of coffee, just sitting down on the couch and talking to them, going for a walk, whatever that looks like. With your kids, your kids will have love languages, and they will be different from each other. And as a parent, you're just observing and processing, wow, when this doesn't happen, they're just having a really bad day. Or when this does happen, I just see them light up. It just really fills their heart up with love. So quality time is the first love language. The second one is gift giving. Now, here's what's interesting. You can learn things from your family of origin of how you like to express love that may not necessarily be how you like to receive love. My dad is a gift giver. My dad loves to give gifts, and he loves to give my mom flowers. My parents have been married forever. I don't know, like 49 years, and they were dating when they were like 13. My dad brings my mom flowers every week still, every week. He grew up with a dad who said flowers were a waste of money because they'll just die. (laughs) So very different. But because I grew up with a gift-giving dad, I, I, I expressed love by gift giving. When we were dating, like I was like always buying him something, like always buying him something. But that is not how I like to receive love. I mean, everybody likes a nice present, but, <laughs> but that's not what makes me spark, right? So you can have things that you've learned in your family of origin. So you kind of have to like think through those things. Like, do I like that? But is it really like my make or break? Not necessarily. So gift giving is just a visual symbol that you are thinking of someone. Whether it's a card, you stop and pick a flower, not out of your neighbor's yard. Do something, like just a little. It can be a pack of gum. So this is just a funny story. When we first got married, he would always, I'm super empathic. Like I'm empathic to a fault. I do not like making people feel bad at all. When we first got married, he would stop and buy me gum all the time. I'm a gum chewer. And he would always buy me this pack of gum. And after like two years, I was finally like, I hate that flavor of gum. (laughs) It was the right brand, but it was the wrong flavor. But I didn't want to hurt his feelings because he was trying to buy me gum. So (laughs) one thing that you can do with gift giving, if you're like, oh, man, I know that's my husband, that's my wife, or that's my mom, and I'm trying to connect with her, and I know that really means the world to her, is I always keep a list in my phone of ideas. Right? Because you'll be out and you'll be like, oh, man, this is something so-and-so would really love. Whether it's a a recipe. Like, I heard them talking about how much they wanted this. I'm going to get them a cookbook on Italian food. Or, like, I always have lists in my phone of ideas so that I can bless and serve them through that. Number three is physical touch. 
Meaningful touch is critical to connection. There's studies that show how important it is to children as they're growing up to be touched and hugged and held and loved. And we know as adults, we kind of live in a world that's a little gotten a little like, eh, don't touch anybody, like you don't want to get sued, that kind of stuff, right? But how powerful is it? Like when you're talking to someone, <laughs> um, <laughs> when you're talking to someone and they're sharing their heart, right, just to reach out and touch their shoulder, it's so powerful. We need that. And that might be your spouse's love language. And you may have grown up in a home where they didn't touch. And that might be hard for you. And that might be something you have to grow in so that you can serve and love better. Whether it's an embrace. I was thinking about the power of physical touch. Years ago, I was at a Women of Faith conference in Columbus, Ohio. We had taken our ladies group. And I remember I was standing there, and there was a lady to my left, and she was pretty new to our church. And um, during praise and worship, I just kept feeling like the Holy Spirit was saying, hold her hand. And I'm like, um, no. Because <laughs> I hardly know her, and that's going to be super awkward. So one song goes by, and I'm like, I just love you, Jesus, and I'm not going to hold her hand. And it just would not go away. And I finally just reached over and grabbed her hand. And immediately she just started weeping. And years later, we had a conversation about that moment. And she shared with me some things in her from her childhood and different things. That that touch, in that moment, what was going through her mind and her heart, she needed that touch. So sometimes you have to step outside your comfort zone to love other people well. It's not about you. It's about positioning your heart to serve, to serve each other, to serve your kids. And if I could just speak to that, you know, at the core of the love of God is sacrifice. God so loved the world he gave Jesus. Jesus so loved us. Look at the sacrifice that he went to. The Holy Spirit loves us so much he doesn't leave us or forsake us, although he probably should have left a whole lot long time ago. If it would be us, right, we would have been gone. But he stays with us, and it does. The love of God is costly. It's not cheap. It's not just some little phrase you slap on a fridge or slap on a wall. It will cost you, but it is worth everything. So the fourth love language is words of affirmation. And this is my personal favorite because it's my love language. <laughs> and that can look like compliments but not flattery, encouraging words. I just love the word encourage. Have you ever thought about that word? Encourage. I am going to instill you with courage with what I'm saying. You can do this. I love you. God loves you. You can do it. Sometimes people just need some, they might be living in a world where no one has said that to them, where they have just been beaten down with words their whole life, and you have the power to instill courage into them. That is so powerful. Kind words, the way we speak, right? It's not what you say, it's how you say it sometimes, a lot of the times. So learning those things, those are different dialects. If you think of these as languages, you might be like, well, you know, I grew up in an English-speaking home. That's all I knew. But you can teach yourself to be bilingual, multilingual, right? And then you learn 
how to love people better. And then the last one is acts of service, which would be just doing things for someone, whether it's mowing their grass or baking them a pan of brownies or washing the car or vacuuming or your neighbor's out of town and and you're going to just go over and weed their garden while they're gone. Doing things to show, to put handles on that love, right? Because the goal of our Christianity isn't to sit here and get fat Christians, right? We're going to get full so we can pour out into the world, into our families, into our spouse. Absolutely. And so we've got a homework assignment for you for tonight. And, and probably for, for every night uh, that we get together. And, and, because uh, it helps you learn. If you have something absolutely. tangible and marked to do, right? It helps you take it. Like it's no good just to like, oh, that was cool. Go home and forget about it. It's going to give you something to do with it and to make it a practice. Absolutely. Make it part of who you are. And so when we look at relationship goals, I think we would all say we want to feel loved. We want to have loving relationships, right? We want to care about people. We want to develop those. And so our, our relationship goal, number one homework assignment is grow loving relationships. So we talked about it. How are we going to do it? Pursue God daily with that love and what you learn from him and what he fills you with. Put it into practice that day and keep growing in it. And I was thinking about this as we've been talking about love a lot. Um, You know, sometimes it's easy to be like, we think of love like, oh, love, like, oh, cool, rom-com, like, that's love, whatever, I'm too old for that stuff. But when I think about love and what a big deal it is as believers, love is the essence of Jesus. It is the very essence of who he was, why he came, Everything he did was love. And we are the reflection of that love. And I always, you ever see something and it just puts this strong mental picture. There was a movie years ago called Silence. And it was about some Jesuit priests from Portugal who traveled to Japan. And they faced immense persecution. They were being tortured and starved. And there's a scene where one of the main priests He's just like at his wit's end. He has had no food, no water. They're being so mistreated by the people that they're there to reach. And he leans over a puddle to get a drink of water. And he brings the water up to his face. And he looks down. And it's not his reflection there. It's the face of Jesus. You are that reflection. You're that reflection to that kid on your block who's a turd and keeps running through your yard. They need to see that. You're that reflection to the, to the guy you work with who's just a jerk all the time. You want him to look in your face and see Jesus because love is what it's all about. Amen. Your second homework assignment. <laughs> and this is for families. Start developing, if you haven't already, a culture of love in your home. I have never used the words, I hate you, to my wife, to my children. It is a four-letter word in our home, the word hate. We don't put up with it with the kids talking to each other. Doesn't happen this way. Doesn't happen towards them. Love 
is the focus. The Bible says it is the bond of perfection. You want to overcome divorce? You want to overcome split between siblings and family and fracture and all? Focus on growing love. And that, that goes with first in the heart, but then it comes out our mouths. This is how we talk to each other. This is the tone that we talk to each other. Dads, step up to the plate and set the table and let it be known that this is how it's going to be in this house. We are going to treat each other with love, and that means we value each other. We respect each other. We talk sweet to each other. I have nicknames for my kids, and these are nicknames of love, so that when I say that, what I'm saying to you is, I love you. This is for you. You're special. You're important to me. I value you. You're mine, and that means the world to me. Create that culture of love, and then dads, moms, guard it, watch over it, manage it, grow it, and keep it. So vitally important. Let's go ahead and pray. Can I pray? Can I get it? All right. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, and we are here because of your love. Your transforming, amazing, intoxicating, wonderful love that you've demonstrated not only sending Jesus to the cross and the Holy Spirit down to earth, but day in and day out, you lavish it on us. And here we are, your children, and Father, we know how great it is and how great the command is. And so we bow our hearts and our knees before you and we say, here we are, grow us, sir. Mold us and fill us and change us and Father, help us to love you better. Grace us to love ourselves. Grace and change us to love our brothers and sisters. Grace us and change us to love this broken world, to see them come to you. And so we commit our way to you. We say, show us and teach us, lead us in this thing. And may your will be done. And may love overflow in Jesus' name, sir. Amen.